Nobody enjoys a negative customer experience, not the customer and not the business, but it is something we all experience more often than we like. Back in the day, word of mouth was all we had to worry about, but now, not so much. Now, anyone with a keyboard and a social media account can take an organization to task, right or wrong. Off the top of your head, can you think of an instance in just the last week, let's say, when a bad customer experience made the news? And I say in just the last week because they do happen pretty regularly. While it's not an example in the form of bad customer experience per se, this does illustrate how quickly and easily something negative can take a massive turn online. Last week, Trump tweeted that Chrissy Teigen is John Legend's filthy-mouthed wife. And let's just say that it didn't sit so well with her or her enormous number of followers. The hashtag filthy mouth wife was trending for a good 48 hours after Chrissy created it, and people immediately came to her defense. The amount of sites where people can and do complain is staggering, and it's not just on the social media platforms such as Facebook and Twitter. People leave reviews on Google and Yelp and even job search sites such as Glassdoor and Indeed. Social media has given everyone their own version of a megaphone, a soapbox, a sounding horn, whatever you want to call it. Of course, we would all love to deal with everything in private to ensure the customer's problems are handled and the entire world doesn't see our dirty laundry. But that's just not how things work these days. So let's talk about what to do with the unhappy customers who want every single person on earth to know how bad their experience was. If you're a communications pro who works hard, doesn't compromise quality, and gets the job done, welcome home. We'll share our tips, tricks, and stories, and together we will change the face of PR. Spin sucks, but we don't. With the Spin Sucks podcast, here's Jenny Dietrich. Welcome back. I'm a big fan of meal delivery services because it makes weeknights significantly easier. No meal planning, no grocery shopping, no, what do you want to have for dinner? No, what do you want to have for dinner? I don't care. What do you want to have for dinner? We don't have to have those conversations anymore. And with most services, I can still doctor the food as if I were doing it on my own without the help. As an aside, if you're in Chicago, I cannot recommend Madison and Rain enough. I love, 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 love them, their service and their meals. And I get nothing from telling you that other than your undying love when you try them and you discover how life-changing they are. You're welcome. A few weeks ago, I ordered three meals, not from Madison and Rain, but another service I use occasionally. It was to arrive on a Tuesday. On that Tuesday, I received an email from them stating that their deliveries had been messed up and they were repackaging a box and overnighting it to me for Wednesday delivery. Okay, no big deal. When the box arrived, however, there was a big yellow Monday delivery sticker on it. Still giving them the benefit of the doubt, I thought perhaps they just reused a box and forgot to remove the sticker. But when I opened the box, oh, holy hell, it smelled to high heaven. I'm actually surprised there wasn't larvae in there in there ready to hatch into flies. It was disgusting. And I had to throw the entire thing away, which I really, really hate to do because Americans in general tend to be so wasteful. And I'm on a mission to change that, at least in our house. So now I was out three meals and I had to waste a bunch of food in containers. I immediately emailed customer service to let them know and to ask them to please refund my money. I didn't hear back. Thursday came and went, nothing. Friday, I emailed again, nothing. But it so happens that I know someone who works there. So I DM'd her on Slack and I told her I didn't want to complain publicly on social about it, but I needed a response. I also really hate to pull that card, but I figured it was better than my tweeting their handle where everyone could see it. And help she did. 
I heard back almost immediately from customer service and they did credit my account. To boot, they were extremely apologetic and acknowledged they were having some delivery issues. It's not always like that. When a person is unhappy, there's what you hope they'll do and the total spectrum of what they could do. And you need to be prepared to deal with as much as you can foresee. Situations don't always turn out as good as that one, nor will someone be able to DM a friend to get it handled or even DM the company to get some help. In fact, most of the time, people go in the opposite direction. Because of this, you should be prepared to deal with as much as you possibly can imagine. First, let's explore what you want them to do. In an ideal world, they'll come to you privately and discuss calmly and patiently their issue. You can discuss what makes most sense for them and how you can make them happy without violating your values or affecting your bottom line. If that's ideal, how do you want them to contact you if there's a problem? And how quickly will you get back to them? We talked about onboarding on SpinSucks in July. If you missed that, we'll link it to the show notes for you. The gist of it is this, how customers contact you and how soon they can expect to hear back should be part of your onboarding process. Next. Make sure there are team-specific and company-specific policies for handling customer complaints. When I DM'd my friend about the mill delivery service, she told me customer service was backed up, which matched the autoresponder I had received from them, and that I definitely would not have to pay for the meals. She also told me that they had just changed delivery service, and it was kind of a cluster. When I did hear back from customer service, they said the same thing. Customer service and the communications team knew what to say and handle, how to handle my complaint without making it worse. And mostly, more importantly, they were consistent. Make sure you have policies for how things are handled when something should be escalated and what your team has authorization to do. I'm reminded of Zappos back in the day and how their number one goal was not to sell more shoes, but to make it an extraordinary experience every time. I saw Tony Shea, the founder of Zappos, speak a few times, and I read his book and I followed him on Twitter. I might have been a little bit obsessed. He liked to tell a story of how every customer service person, although they weren't called that, and now I can't remember what they were called, experience ambassadors or something like that, but every one of them was given a stipend to spend on every person who called in, complaint or not. It was up to them to decide who, how, and what they spent it on. That is the kind of customer service every organization should employ. And then when there are complaints, and there will be complaints, Every person leaves the situation happy and appeased. As it turns out, though, most people don't take the route you would like them to take. It's far easier, far easier to get behind a computer screen, open your social network of choice and go to town. It's also more, far more challenging to find a way to contact the big consumer, airline, telecom, utility or hospitality companies that make it nearly impossible for you to talk to an actual human being. So blasting them on social media? kind of often the only choice. The last thing you want to have happen is to be lumped in with them. So when that happens, and it will happen, make sure you don't panic or take it personally, which is sometimes easier said than done. I'll admit there have been plenty of times I've written the response I want to write and then deleted it and said to myself over and over again, crisis communications 101, crisis communications 101, crisis communications 101. Stay calm, be reasonable, and stay professional. There is a three-step process that works every time. Number one, apologize. Number two, address complaints publicly. And number three, move the conversation offline. Let's start with apologize. 
This is a hard one because human nature dictates we get defensive when attacked. But the worst thing you can do is get defensive. You have to apologize and mean it. That could mean that you write what you really want to say without publishing it, let it sit there, and then delete it. And then tell yourself, this isn't about me. It's not even about the organization. It's about the person and they're unhappy. How can I fix it? This means when you apologize, you don't say, I'm sorry, but, and then make an excuse. You say, I'm sorry. Here's what I'm going to do for you right now. A good example of this might be something like, I am so sorry, and use the person's name. I am so sorry, Drew. We never want our customers to feel like this. If you'll DM me, I'll be happy to fix this for you myself. When you do this, make sure you address the complaints publicly. This is more for your other social media visitors than for the person who's having the issue. Imagine, if you will, you go to a brand's Facebook page and you see lots of complaints with zero response, or almost worse, a response that's used over and over again. How do you feel about that? Even if it's not right, even if it's hard to do, it leaves a sour taste in our mouths. Address the negative criticism, apologize, and then ask to move the conversation offline. Being able to see that you addressed it, apologized, and gave the person a way to contact you is the very best thing you can do for others visiting your platforms. How do you want people to reach you? Email, phone, video chat, whatever it happens to be, make it as easy as easy for them as possible. Direct message them and ask how they'd like to discuss. I will note here that in-person trumps all, but obviously that's not something most of us can do. The phone is the most effective way to address complaints. But I also recognize some organizations don't have that kind of bandwidth, nor will every customer want to take the time. Make it easy for them, have a conversation, fix it, and apologize again. Next, review sites. People tend to turn to review sites such as Yelp and Google Reviews to help form their opinion before they buy from an organization. It helps their buying decisions and in certain industries can carry a lot of weight. Admittedly, there's a lot you can't control. Hiding reviews is disingenuous and deleting them is even worse. And in some cases, the review site will hold you hostage and will hide both good and bad reviews because you haven't advertised with them. That's infuriating. And it's also not often as easy as apologizing publicly and taking the conversation offline. So let's focus on what you can control. Earlier this year, Chris Williams from Planet Magpie wrote an article for SpinSucks called How to Pry One-Star Reviews Off Your Brand. He wrote about how to handle unhappy reviews and the, the steps to take to mitigate the risk. He says, first and foremost, answer this question. Is the review legitimate? Does it come from a real customer? If so, reach out to the customer directly and see if you can fix the problem. The best result is that they will either delete the negative review or adjust the the rating after you've worked with them and fixed the problem. And it's perfectly fine to ask them to do that if you've actually helped them resolve the issue. You should also respond to the review on the site for the same reason you do on social media. People who visit the review sites will see that you're paying attention and are willing to do the work to fix a problem when it arises. If the review, however, is not legitimate, report it to the channel's support staff. You can't remove reviews, but they can if you prove it's not legitimate. All of this said, some negative reviews, or at least mixed reviews, can improve your credibility. We once worked with a prospect who told us they couldn't find anything negative about us online, 
So they didn't think we were a real organization. Hmm. I always found that odd, and it was probably just a buyer's defense or an excuse, but it's an interesting point. Negative and one and two star reviews do give you a certain amount of legitimacy. I should have told her to read the reviews of Spin Sucks the Book or check out the comments on some of our Facebook ads. Although the negative comments about how I look, how I dress, my makeup, my hair, or the lighting fixture in my dining room should probably be taken with a grain of salt. We're not perfect, and neither is any other organization on earth. The honest reviews that are genuinely critical and your responses to them can definitely improve your online standing. The conversation about negative reviews, comments, and, well, people is an ongoing one. We'd love to hear about your experience with all of this, what works, what doesn't, and where you have found the best results. Let us know in the Spin Sucks community. If you're not already there, you can join us at spinsucks.com slash spin hyphen sucks hyphen community. That's spinsucks.com slash spin hyphen sucks hyphen community. I'll see you next week. If you're ready to change the face of PR, make sure you subscribe to the Spin Sucks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and a review. 